my, uh, my, my knowledge of Palmer Robertson goes back uh, several decades. Um, I used to watch you from a distance at general assemblies arguing and, and debating always for the right point of view, which was my point of view. So I always appreciated uh, that uh, about you. And uh, Palmer is a world-class scholar. He has produced um, the um, New International Old Testament commentary on um, several of the minor prophets. Um, you don't write for that unless you are a scholar of, of, the, of the highest order. And so he contributed to that uh, series. His book, uh, Christ of the Covenants, has become something of a classic um, it was um, initially, um, he had a lot of trouble getting it published, as I recall, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, but it be, it, it, um, its distribution was so, um, so significant that eventually uh, PNR picked it up, and it's, it's really become a classic. It's read in all the seminaries and many Sunday school classes as well, and that then has led to a kind of a cottage industry of Christ of the Psalms and Christ of the Prophets and Christ of the Consummation. And, and you can look at the display that they've put up downstairs that uh, he is a prolific author and everything he, he writes is, is, um, is, uh, is uh, of, of academic um, integrity um, and yet accessible uh, to ordinary people. But the, the, the thing that... Um, one other thing I wanted to say, too, is, is that um, Palmer, kind of in a hidden way, has had a significant impact on Reformed worship. And it's kind of an indirect, this is the story of it that I know Palmer, and there may be more to it. But uh, when Ligon Duncan was a student at Covenant, it was in a lecture that Palmer mentioned Matthew Henry's A Method for Prayer. And uh, that if you could get a copy of it, you needed to do whatever it took to get a copy of Matthew Henry's book, which is, um, which is a, a, a classic work that, that, that uh, would have you praying each of the categories of prayer according to Scripture, loaded with scriptural content, whether it's your, pr- content, whether it's your praise or your confession or it's Thanksgiving. Well, that then led to Ligon getting his family's press, which was called Reformed Academic Press, uh, eventually to publish a method for prayer, and then that what was um, that spread all over, and uh, Christian Focus picked it up as well, and they published it, and then Palmer subsequently has has published a modern translation of Matthew Henry. It's kind of a Matthew Henry for the 21st century called a way to pray. If you can get your hands on that. Uh, these, these Henry and now Palmer's adaptation, these are books that uh, every couple of years I just read through it as part of my devotions, a couple of pages uh, at, at a time. And, and, and then, to the surprise of everyone, um, 20-something years ago, in spite of the, you know, the, the world of academia being open to him and that he taught at Covenant Seminary and at Westminster Seminary and at uh, Knox Seminary and Reform Seminary, um, he up and left and went to Africa uh, to be on the faculty of the 
of the African Bible College in Malawi, and, um, and then, after a number of years, went to Uganda to give leadership to the effort to, to start a, another African Bible, which in Uganda, just difference of terminology, same basic idea of what the institution is for. They call it African Bible University, where he served as the principal, what we would call the president of, of uh, African Bible University. Uh, uh, along the way, he married Joanna, and uh, they have had three boys together, and um, Joanna has been, uh, can I say, his right-hand man uh, the whole time, his uh, a, a assistant, and, and more than that, uh, she has been, been a, a, played a major role in the progress of the AB, the ABUU, the African Bible University in, in Uganda. Uh, so we are, we are being treated to a, a, a man of many talents. It's a great privilege for us to have uh, the Robertsons with us, uh, both uh, many talents in that. He's both a scholar and, a, and, and one who knows the mission field well. So Palmer, if you would come, please, and, uh, uh, for your initial presentation. Well, I better look at my schedule here. Palmer's first. Yeah. Yeah. You just need to do what I say, Palmer. Yeah, all right. Bradley failed to mention that I was Mississippi State yo-yo champion. And I have one of the few yo-yos that preaches. So if you need a special message for your young people, I'm ready to preach with my yo-yo. It was a great pleasure of me to go down into certain sections of Jackson, Mississippi and gather together the children and preach with my yo-yo. And of course, I thought Rosemary should be first because the first shall be last and the last shall be first which is something of the theme of, of what we're looking at tonight. You know, it's, it's very interesting, all these names and all these books and so forth and so on, they, that will all pass away. The people who work in Bible translation, they never have their names on that book. But that is the most glorious book that can be imagined, to translate God's word into another language and they don't get any glory for it all. They're going to get all the glory in heaven and I don't get any glory because I've gotten all this glory that they've talked about here tonight. So I don't know whether to thank you or not for that introduction. Uh, uh, whatever. Well tonight we're dealing with the question is it too late? Is it too late for you? And we're going to look at a series of three passages from the Gospel of Matthew, one right after the other, in, in which we look at whether it's too late for you in your infancy, and whether it's too late for you in your maturity, and then if it's too late for you in your old age. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you that you have said the last shall be first, and that it is never too late for us 
to give our whole beings to serve you and your kingdom. We would ask that tonight you will touch the hearts of this young person and that older person and make them realize that God has laid his hand on them because it's not too late. For we ask in Christ's name, amen. Matthew chapter 20, we're going to read the third of these sections that we're going to be looking at. Matthew chapter 20, beginning to read at verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, which would be nine o'clock in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went again about the sixth hour, which would be noon, and then again the ninth hour, which would be three o'clock in the afternoon, and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, which would be five o'clock in the afternoon, with the day of work ending at six, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us. They answered. He said to them, You also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones, hired and then going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour, five o'clock in the afternoon, came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have Born the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Did you not agree to work for Denarius? Take your pay and go. I desire to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So, the last will be first, and the first will be last. May God bless to Our hearts are reading and hearing of his holy, inspired, infallible, and inerrant word.
Yes, in the kingdom of God, grace prevails. In all circumstances and situations in life, the biggest word in the Bible is grace. And in the service of God and his kingdom, it is always grace that prevails. And don't forget it. That means you've got unlimited opportunities, and that means you have no reason for complaint. Because whatever it is that God asks you to do is a gracious thing, and whatever reward he pays you is on the basis of grace. Is it too late? Too late for you to find fulfillment in terms of the fullness of your life? I, when I was just a theological tadpole and having a summer appointment in the First Presbyterian Church of Hattiesburg, Mississippi, learning how to have my ABCs of, of preaching and pastoring, coming out of the, that first church one Sunday morning, this man greeted me and he said, Congratulations. You're doing something good with your life. All I've done all my life is make money. Well, that doesn't mean going to being a preacher is the only way to serve God and give yourself wholly to him. You can make money and you can serve God making money. But the question is, in your heart, in the dedication of your whole being, is it too late for you yet? Is it too late for you to give it all to Jesus, whatever your age may be? Well, let's look at these three ages. And this is taken from the section immediately before what we read. You know, some people have suggested that the ones who divided the Bible in, into chapters and verses was riding on the back of a horse, and the horse jumped every now and then, and they put the pen in the wrong place. And if you'll read at the end of chapter 19 and later on at the end of this parable, you see that it, they're all connected here. But first of all, what about your childhood and your infancy? We read in chapter 19, verses 13 through 15, that people were bringing children to Jesus. He would place his hands upon them, pray for them, and bless them. First of all, who is bringing the children to Jesus? You know, I, I've always thought that must have been the, the mothers, right? But that doesn't say the mothers. It says they were bringing. The people were bringing. The men were bringing. I love it when I see a, a man with a little baby in his arms going to the grocery store and holding it under his arms and doing like this. Well... They were all, according to the synoptics, being blessed by Jesus. Now, Dr. Luke gives a little bit of a different story, and he uses the word brephe, which means infant. They were bringing the infants to Jesus to be blessed of him. How, how, how does Jesus bless infants? They, they haven't exercised any faith, have they? What? Of course Jesus blesses infants. 
The scripture says John the Baptist, while he was still in his mother's womb, was filled with the Holy Spirit and rejoiced when he heard through the womb the voice of Mary coming to greet Elizabeth. You tell me God cannot bless an infant? Now, what about you? What about your experience? Were you brought as an infant to this church, perhaps, and maybe wearing one of those gowns that had been passed down two or three generations to be baptized? Even if you were a male, you had this nice gown for baptism. Were you blessed that way? You should count your blessings if you were blessed that way because you're still getting the blessings because you were brought to Jesus and Jesus blessed you and is continuing to bless you. Bring your children to Jesus. If, if it's too late for you, then if you were not baptized as an infant, if you did not have parents that were praying for you, then this is the opportunity for you to bring your children. And if not your children, your grandchildren. And you bring them to Jesus. And I'm having the, the time of my life bringing my great-grandchildren to Jesus. I'm praying with them and enjoying them and trying my best to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. The mother of Franklin Graham, Ruth Bell Graham, brought her son to Jesus in prayer. Many times over, he was a rebel, and you would enjoy his book about Rebel with a Cause, Billy Graham's son, kicked out of school, getting into all kinds of trouble. He had the habit of going for motorcycle races on Sundays, and his mother couldn't stand it. So she just prayed, Lord, maybe break his leg or something. Teach him a lesson. And what do you know? He hooked his foot just a little climb up, not in a race, but just going up the side of a hill. He hooked his heel in a, on a root and broke his foot. And he never went to Sunday races anymore after that. You can be blessed and bless others from infancy on. Be sure that you are fully engaged in passing on the blessings. I've been reading in the Old Testament over and over again so much about the children and the grandchildren and then the joy of passing on the blessings to them. So, is it too late for you? Well, remember that blessings in infancy, blessings in childhood, those that you have received and those that you can give to others, it's always of grace. Amen? It's always of grace. I have never yet known an infant who has believed in Jesus in infancy. I don't think in the 2,000 years of circumcision of the Old Testament that any one of those infants that received the seal of the covenant of grace, which is what they were receiving, that they were believing when they were circumcised. But the fact that they later believed is a sure sign that that sign of the covenant worked and those prayers of the parents worked, but it's all of grace. There's no merit in those things, but there is grace. Now, secondly, 
Is it too late for you in your maturity? And here, this is the continuing passage from Matthew chapter 19, verses 16 through 30. And we have two people coming to Jesus, and they're quite different. One is the rich young ruler, and the other is the disciple, the big mouth Peter. Let's look at these two and see what we can learn about the blessings that we might receive or fail to receive in our maturity. Which is most like you? Are you most like the rich young ruler? Or are you most like, more like Peter? Well, first, the rich young ruler. Is this you? He's a rich man. Is that you? He's a young man. I see a few of you up in the balcony. I don't see too many young people down here, but somehow they love the balcony up there. He's an upright young man. He's not living in immorality. You know the commandments. All these I have kept from my youth. I have not killed. I have not committed adultery. I have not stolen. I have kept all of these commandments. I have not worshipped idols. But in his heart, something was lacking. Is this you? Any one of you? This man was tops in his profession. He was the leading gynecologist of Savannah. He was the leading investment counselor. He was the leading advocate. Or maybe he, he had the old money. He was from Charleston. He wasn't from Savannah. He was from Charleston. He had that old money, and he, he wore his money well. Hmm. But there was a hollow hole in his soul. Could that be you? Could you be that man that greeted me on the steps of the church? All I've done all my life is make money. Is it too late for you? No, it's not too late for you. Jesus says, you lack one thing in life. You just lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. And then you will not only have eternal life in the future, but you will have life now. And later on, Jesus will tell you what kind of life. Anyone who has left father and mother and wife and children and lands and possessions for my sake and the gospels, he will receive 100 times in this life, plus eternal life. Can anyone testify that to be true? I can testify that to be true. Certainly some of you can testify that to be true. This command is not one of the Ten Commandments. God does not say to every single one of you here and every single one of you up there, go sell all you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. He does not say that to every one of you, but he says it to some of you. He does still say it to some of you. He said it to Jack Chen Chen, and you have been supporters of African Bible Colleges and Jack Chen Chen. Jack Chen Chen was a millionaire in his 30s. He was the grandson of Mr. Crummy, who was the founder of the Food Machinery Corporation, which was one of the top corporations in America. I visited him out in California and during right after World War II, and there he, he took me into one of the, he, he built 
machinery for, for, for picking fruit and so forth. And he took me into, he converted it into making tanks during the war, amphibious tanks. So he got me into his amphibious tank and down we went into the, under the water and back out again on the other side. That was really exciting. And Jack Chin Chin was an heir of that wealth. And God said, go, sell all you have, give to the poor, and come and follow me. And so he did it. And he left. He had this beautiful acreage, the Silicon Valley in California, worth in itself millions of dollars. And he sold it all. And his brother thought he was absolutely crazy. And what did he find? He found a, a house on stilts in the jungle where no missionary had ever gone before. And from that, he established first African Bible College in Liberia, then African Bible College in Malawi, then African Bible College in Uganda. Three universities in three different corners of Africa on the highest academic level raising up servant leaders for Africa. And you tell me he didn't have a rich life? Is it too late for you? No, it's not too late for you. And God may speak to one of you or more than one of you and say, go, sell all that you have and go to Africa. Give to the poor and come and follow me. And I guarantee you, you will not lose a thing. You will gain a hundredfold, both in this life plus the blessings of the world to come. So, that's a rich young ruler. Now, what about Peter? Maybe you identify more about Peter. What do we see in Peter? Well, good old Peter. He's always got something to say. Lord, you told that man who just walked up to you, if he would go and sell all that he had, he would have a hundredfold in this life and life to come. Oh, what about us? We, we, we used to be fishermen. We sold everything. We left our nets. We left everything to follow you. What are we going to get? And Jesus just overlooks, overlooks Peter. And he says, Peter... Anyone, anyone who has left father and mother and wife and children and lands for my sake and the gospels shall receive 100-fold in this life and in the world to come eternal life. That's what you're going to get for what you have done. Ooh, that sounds like merit, doesn't it? Hey, if I do this, God will pay me this. That's not merit. That's all of grace. Where did you get what you got anyway? It was a gift of God. Where did all those fish come from, Peter, that you're pulling out of the ocean? Well, God put them there for you. Where did you get the nets? Where did you get the strength to do that fishing? Well, God gave it to you. <laughs> when you have done all that God requires of you, you can say, we are unprofitable servants. God, you made no profit on us. You invested a certain amount, and when we gave you everything that you expected from us, 
You made not a penny's profit. You, in fact, you lost because you didn't realize everything that you could have realized out of your investment in us. Don't, don't come and tell me this is merit. This is grace. It's all grace. You will never outgive God. Be assured of that. You will never, ever outgive God. Is it too late? Too late for you to make that great step and sell all? Head for the mission field? We have a friend in the church where we're attending and in North Carolina and Winston-Salem and he says I wasted all of my life until retirement and then I got a vision and I established a home for women that were caught in drugs and I have saved the lives by the grace of God of hundreds of young women in the retirement years of my life. What is the vision that God has given you for a mission? What is it possible that God might do with you? You have not yet realized that full potential. Now finally, in your later years, are you in your later years? Are you in your 50s, your 60s, your 70s, your 80s? Is it too late? Let me assure you, it's never too late. Notice Jesus' parable. He goes out at 6 o'clock in the morning and he hires people. And they work for 12 hours and they get one denarius. 9 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, no agreed wages. And then 5 o'clock p.m., one hour of work left. The owner, he says to the foreman, pay the last first. I want the first to see. I want them to watch what happens. I want them to see. If I paid the first first, then they would go away contented and they wouldn't see what I'm going to do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to manifest grace. Don't I have the right to do with what I have? Do not I have that right? Of course God has that right to distribute his wealth however he will. And you, it may be the last hour for you. It may be 11 o'clock for you, but it's not too late. Look and see what God might have for you and realize that your whole life is a life filled and experiencing God's grace to you. It's not too late. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, here we are, frail and weak creatures, creatures of dust, the best we can do is serve you in our generation. Lord, show your grace to us and give us that joy of a full life that is totally given over to serving our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen.